I'd like to, uh, for those who are on uh, Facebook Live, and watch us now and watch us later, we get a lot of hits, hits with that. You know, there's a lot of people watch us. Praise God. Um, just so you'll know that we have a staging area here. Looks someone like a, I don't know, bricks. Uh, yeah, bricks we got a, were kind of closed down here. And they got, we've got our flag that's draped with the black curtain. That's because we have a play coming up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the play is uh, Godspell. Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's a song in Godspell. It was out, I think it was out in 71. We were just saved, and I think the year after that, Jesus Christ Superstar came out. So come on out for those of you who might be thinking, I don't know about that Godspell thing. It's the book of Matthew, a little abstract. It was in the 70s. They've come to that a little bit here, and it's going to be good. We have some good actors and actresses. It's going to be a great time. So that's the reason we look uh, a little different here on the stage. Also, I'd like to give a warm welcome to uh, Bill and Carol Royal, who are with us today. Carol is a uh, graduate of Elam, or went to Elam, right? And so she is Guy Gabriel's cousin. So what a blessing. Can we just welcome them, please? It's a pleasure to have you both with us. Um, yeah, so it's been a while since I've been behind the pulpit. <clears throat> hey, do Brother Ramon back there. You're still praising God, my brother. You're still praising him, are you? Amen, I know you are. <laughs> We're loving the death. I want to share with you today <clears throat> something um, that the Lord laid in my heart for you. And, of course, all services should basically be geared to the, uh, <clears throat> to the students. You know what I heard? I heard, say what? You know what I heard? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I heard, I've got from NOAA, the, Oce uh, the National Oceanic Atmospheric you know, Association and some other um, winter... Um, bits of information that this we're going to get almost no snow this winter. How many are not happy about that? <clears throat> I want some snow. If you ever want to stop the snow in your area, just invite Debbie and I to come live here for a while, okay? Everywhere we go, the snow stops, and I don't like it. But obviously, there are a lot of people who do, maybe, maybe normal people. But the fact is, we're not, uh, not going to have a lot of it. The South is going to get it. Maryland's going to get it. Pennsylvania's going to get it. The West is going to get it, all that area. And we lived in Maryland, and now they're getting snow. And we come to New York, and we're getting nothing. I don't understand it, Lord. <laughs> That's good for us here in maintenance, it's good for our buildings, it's good for a lot of other things, so I praise God for that. So those of you who are expecting snow, uh, they say they're not going to get it, and watch it snow like crazy, and then, you know, who knows, sometimes they're wrong. I want to talk with you this morning, well, first I want to pray, Father in Jesus' name be with us as we come before you and look to you to speak to our hearts and guide us by your Holy Spirit, 
And we will thank you for that in your name. Amen. Um, I want to talk with you today about not minimizing your existence. And the subtitle to that would be, what is my purpose in life? Not minimizing who you are. There are some people that just don't feel like they have a lot to offer or they're not sure what God is saying to them or what God, why am I here? I mean, I love you, Lord, but what is exact, what is the thing you have for me? And I, I seem so minimized in comparison to other people who know a lot about God and, and they really know that what something that God's saying to them and they're, they're kind of on the mark. Well, let me just share with you a little something that I, I don't think this is going to be long, but I hope if it's, it's somewhat impactful in your life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Um, for we are God's masterpiece. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. Now, now turn to him and say, no, 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 no. I mean it. I mean it. You really are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. Now notice, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Long ago, he has planned the things that you're going to be entering into. Long ago, he knew all about you. Long ago, before your mother's 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 mother was born, he knew about you and he knew exactly what you were going to do and what you were going to struggle with and what you were going to excel in and the questions you would have and the impact that you would make. Planned for you long ago. Another scripture. I want to take this from the message because I think it's pretty cool. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says this in the message. It's in Christ, two things. Notice. It's in Christ that we find out who we are, number one. Number two, what we're living for. Now, isn't that about life? We find out who we are, and then what am I living for? Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. Check it out. He's working out in everything and in everyone. Think about it. Everything that lives, God's working it out. What are we, what are we, what are we here for? Find out what we're here for and uh, uh, what we're living for. What is my purpose? He said it right here. Part of an overall purpose. I want you to remember those two things. He has plans and he has a purpose for you. People who come to this um, this Bible college throughout the years, and we have seen preachers come here, and men and women, and they I was here, and I was there, and we heard those stories. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a dimension, there's a percentage of students that go, I know exactly what God wants for me. I don't think that's the majority, and some think they know, and then they change it. But there are, there is a percentage that know exactly what God has for them. We're going to go into that. And then there are others that really don't know and they're trying to find out what that is. And they come here, and they are here for a specific purpose because they want to be used of God in the ministry, but they're not exactly confident as to what that is. And that is some of you. I'm going to share with you how you can know 
the purposes of God in your life. Um, I don't want you to let the enemy convince you that you have no purpose, that you somehow have no purpose to fulfill in God. That is a lie. Every human being has something to fulfill in God. God even uses people who don't know him for specific reasons. But the people of God, and in particular people who come here, any Bible college, want to find out what God's saying in their lives. The enemy does his best to try to convince you that you don't have a purpose. And so people just kind of downplay that, and I'll just kind of be a worm for Jesus and kind of move on, and, and God will just use me when he wants to use me, and I'll just kind of be around, and, and God, whenever you just want to knock on the door, I'll open it, and I'll be more than glad to, to do a little something for you. God has big things for you. Listen, the purposes of God for human souls include you. The purposes of God to be an influencer includes you. And the purposes of God to change the culture for Christ includes who? That's right, that's good. I want to see how many English people, oh, that was good, that was, that's an English class, right? You, I thought you were, you, no, you, no, it's me, me, that's me, that's me. God has certain specific purposes that he wants all of us to be able to fulfill. And all of them include you. Whether you're the human souls you're going to be hanging around, the influence that you're going to have as a human being and a believer in Jesus to change the culture for Christ. And God knows we need a culture changed for Christ. And you are the ones that are going to do it. Well, Dr. Ray, how about you and, and the staff and, and all the rest of the people? And you know, maybe it's you too. We are changing it. We have changed it. But we're not as young as you. This culture is yours if you want it. Don't let the enemy tell you anything other than that. Well, I just, um, I have issues. Welcome to the club. We all have issues, except my wife. She doesn't have any issues, so <laughs> your issue is me. Is that what you said? No, that wasn't it. <laughs> One of my issues. I do this. Hey, those of you who are on Facebook Live, I'm sorry. i got to do this because this area is not good for my allergies. Now, you saw it there, and you saw it here. Because my wife says, don't do that. Don't do that. If I don't do that, the waterworks will begin, and I can't have that either. Your very existence, listen to me, young men and women, your very existence is linked to God's purposes for you. Your existence as a human being is linked to the purposes of God in your life. Those three things I just mentioned and more. And you've got to see that because if you don't see it, if you can't connect with it, if you don't ride with that, if you don't, uh, if you don't uh, get to a place where you're, you're trusting God in that area, then the enemy's going to try to make you purposeless. And he does that in people. Or discouraged. And that happens too often in too many people. You have got to know this, and that is that um, God has a purpose, of course, and he has a thought-out purpose 
plan for you. And he has a target for your life. Think about it. He has a thought-out plan. God, before you existed, before your lineage existed, go back two, four, eight, a thousand, I don't care, go back, back. God had a thought-out plan about you. He thought about you. He knew about you. He knew what you would look like, act like, speak like. He knew what you would do. He knew the accomplishments you would make, the victories you would fall into. He knew the, the, the defeats you would have. And the difficult times and the rough times. He knew all of He thought you out. He took time to do that. I mean, you think about it, it blows your mind. God thought about me. How many people do you know that I don't think much about myself? And there's reasons for that, I understand. You don't think much about yourself, but God thinks a lot about you. And not only does he think a lot about you, but he thought about this life you have right now and the future you have long ago thought you out. Now, I don't know about you, I mean, you know, it'd be nice, you know, sometimes people don't even know the pastor thinks about them, depending on how big the church is. They don't even, you know, I wonder if the person that represents me, like a congressman or a senator or somebody, knows anything. They don't even know who you are. But God Almighty thought you out. You were in his brain. You were in his, well, whatever the celestial part of God. And he saw everything about you, your frame and everything. And he was really excited because God doesn't make any junk. He knows what he's doing, and he knows why he's doing it. And he brings in aspects of our life to keep us in a place. He had a target for you to hit. And some of you are going, well, I, I, wish, I wish I knew that target. You will. Some of you, some young people go, I don't, you know, I'm young, but I, I know a lot. I'm young, but, you know, I got pizzazz in me. I got God pizzazz. I, I, you know, I'm, you're young. You're going to do young things. You're going to think young ways. You're, 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 you're very excitable in God. But you're not going to think this way in 20 years, some of the stuff you think. 30 years, you're going to think less of it. I'm not talking about your theology. I'm just talking about life in general. He's got a target for you to hit. And he wants you to know what that target is. Check this out. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. It's pretty heavy, isn't it? <laughs> Not really. The purpose of our lives is to live a life that shines with the purposes of God. And uh, that's not just going on every street corner and witnessing. That also has to do with the kind of man or woman you're going to be and how you're going to talk and treat people, how you're going to interact with them, if you're going to be kind, caring, loving, or you're going to be not so. Uh, how you're going to develop and what you're going to do to have people see in you, to have people see in you Christ sometimes without using words. That has something to do with your purpose. None of us were born to just inhale air and occupy space. That's not God's purpose for you. Well, I sit in the same seat every time I get in. Now, I know you can do This is the way in church, you see. It's the way it is in church. So, you know, you guys are getting to be grown-ups. Because you sit in the same seats too. Adults come in and you know in church and they sit in the same seats and in some what happens what happens, you adults, when you somebody comes in, or you come into church and somebody's sitting in your seat. <laughs> it used to be in the eighteen hundreds and seventeen hundreds, you paid for a pew. 
And so no one dare get in your pew. But today, it's seats, and you won't, you won't go up and go, excuse me, in Jesus' name, would you get up? This is my seat. I've been sitting here for 12 years. I don't mean anything personal. I love the Lord, you love the Lord, but get out. So that isn't something that you do. You just sit in another seat, and you go, oh, this is uncomfortable. I can't see the preacher. I can't do that. I can't really, I'm not really hidden like I used to be, so I can fall asleep on a Sunday morning. Hey, it's a little truth here. Come on. I'm adults too. How many have ever on a Sunday morning fell asleep for a second and went, and just wondering, did I, fall, did I just fall asleep? How many have ever done it? There we go. We got some human beings here. There you go. Kana, I'm glad you didn't say that. <laughs> Where's her husband's a pastor? <laughs> or Dr. Case, Dr. Case, you sit in the front row, your husband throws something at you. God has a benefit. Notice these words. God has a benefit and he has an outcome for your existence. God has a useful purpose in your life. Now, these, these words are very meaningful if you care to take them. Because if not, you're going to be walking around in circles. What is, my, what is my goal? Where am I going? And some of that is, you know, maybe there's issues. Maybe there's things going on in your life to where you can't really land on some things that you need to be able to land on because you got other issues in your life that's prohibiting that from happening. And you need to talk to somebody, either a pastor or a Christian counselor or somebody, because you can work through. Oh, well, there's so much help today. There's just so much help when it comes to that. What is our uh, scripture for the year? Can anybody quote it? <laughs> what is our scripture for the year? I'm not going to get angry with this funny. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 13, and it says, you will. Come on, Bible scholars. We, put, we dumped a lot of theology in you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's right. The cool thing about that is, he says, you will seek me. If he just said, you will seek me with all of your heart, that would have been encouraging. But he said, you will seek me and you will find me. You will find me if you seek me. That's a promise here. If you seek God... You're going to find him. Well, well, you know, my time frame is like, you know, could we maybe find him in 72 hours? Because that would work for me. God doesn't always work that way. Matter of fact, he seldom ever works that way. You will find God if you seek him. He's going to let you seek him. God, uh, God gives himself and he makes himself manifest for the hungry of heart. Digging, seeking, looking. He likes it. Because if, if I went around the corner and he's not there, you have faith, I'm going to go around the other corner. He loves it. And maybe, God's in, and maybe God is not there, he's someplace else. But you go, well, I thought he was here. I'm going to keep seeing. The more he loves it, how much do you want him? Long for him. Seek for him. Desire him. If you seek him in that manner, you will find him. Not maybe, not perhaps, not possibly. You will find him. But to uh, the pursuit of uh, purpose sometimes can be 
problematic. How many have ever found that out? I'm looking for my purpose, and I find sometimes more problems than I find anything else. It's just problematic because I don't necessarily find the thing that I really need to do, or it just kind of my world and head just spins. A couple things. Purpose can be a problem because it uh, depicts a scenario where you're on a maybe path, but it may not be the right path. It's a maybe path. Maybe this is it. I've heard other people, maybe, maybe I need to be in Indonesia. Uh, maybe I need to be a pastor. Uh, you know, maybe I need to work in worship. Maybe, uh, ooh, well, you know, maybe I need to be in, there's a ministry in Tabunkiesville, Montana. I need to be in that. I'm kidding you. I don't even know whether there is a Debunkiesville, Montana. It just sounds like something that should be in Montana. That's all, Debunkiesville. <laughs> but it's a maybe. Maybe I should, maybe, I, 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 don't have, I don't have anything else really, so maybe this is going to work for me. And, and you're just um, indecisive about it, and you're just wondering, oh God, you know, maybe this, I didn't come to Bible college for nothing. So purpose can be a problem when it comes to that. Purpose can be a problem at times because it tells you that there's one perfect path, and you've got to look for that one perfect path. And if you don't find that one perfect path, then you're going to be spinning around in life until you do. i got to find it, God. I just can't find God's not that cruel. Just keep spinning, and I'm not going to reveal myself to you. Just uh, don't, don't worry about it, you know. It's just uh, only one specific thing that you're looking for. And I thought of some, you know, different people. I could quote a number of different people, but I thought I'd just put myself on, on display here, thinking that it's just one thing. Um, like somehow God offers you just one thing in life and doesn't offer you anything else. I'm looking at Brother Harry down there. He was a missionary for years, then he becomes a pastor. He's also a mentor to students, does other things. He's also a gutter cleaner. I saw that, brother. Now I'm looking at you in that letter, and I bet your wife says you shouldn't be doing that. He's done missions for years, 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 and years. And then all of a sudden, he was a pastor for some years and a mentor. And I could go on with different people around here. But um, I started with me, I started out here, and Debbie and I left, and we went to North Carolina, uh, outside of Wilmington, and I became a pastor. We church planted, so I was a pastor, and so I was a pastor. I loved to be a pastor. I wanted to be nothing but a pastor. When I was here, I just wanted to be a pastor so bad until I was a pastor for 23 years, <laughs> and then I said, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. Actually, less than that, and then uh, the Lord gave me a pastorate again. So I wanted to be a pastor, and I was a pastor, and we, we enjoyed it. It was very, very good. Then from being a pastor and, and, and ministering as a pastor, I moved to radio. Started a local program, Rock Alive, and then it was picked up over the CBN radio network and the Salem radio network. And then all of a sudden, it was a national radio program. So I shifted to a radio career. And then after the radio career, uh, I was still pastoring and it was a problem. So I went back to college. So there was like uh, seven years more college I had to take. Now I'm a student again. So it felt like I was going backwards, but I thought God had something for me. From there, I became a therapist. And from becoming a therapist, I became a businessman because we had to operate the business. And uh, so I was making business decisions. And from there, 
uh, I became uh, an author and then a columnist and then a speaker uh, across the country. And I was doing that. And all that stuff happened. And then all of a sudden I end up here <laughs> as a president. You might think I'm just schizophrenic. But what I did was I left my, everything I did and any one of those things had to do with the gift that God gave me. And there will be other things that you will do if you're open to God that may be different than what you started out doing, but he will use the giftings and the talents that he's given you in everything you do and in everywhere you go. Because you have merit. You have importance. And God has a purpose for you. Purpose has become a problem because it's uh, self-sabotaging at times. Because in your anxiety, you want to do the right thing and have the right purpose well it may be the wrong and did I really do it the right way is this what I'm really supposed to be doing lastly purpose is a problem because uh, it can position you um, for failure you could feel like a failure if somehow you choose the wrong thing or you don't like it or you think you're not effective in it or somehow God's not going to meet you in that purpose can be a problem if you don't really know what your purpose is. And all of this stuff, all of these purposes that can be a problem, they can, they can lead to confusion. They can lead to frustration. They can lead to indecisiveness. And as a result of that, the enemy then tricks you and manipulates you to say, you don't know what you're doing. What did you even spend that time in that Bible college for? Why did you even come here from another country? What did you do? There could be other things you did. You, you did all of this and what? For what? You do nothing for nothing. Everything you do in any moment, any minute that you invest in God, he has 50 times that more to give you. Because anytime you invest, invest you want what? Business-wise, you want what? A return. I'm going to invest. I want a return. I'm going to invest my life in God. God then use me in return. You might be saying, well, Dr. Ray, um, I, I really don't know what my purpose is. I, don't, I really don't know what my path is. I don't know what my call is. I'm telling you, I mean, I, I think about it so much, and I go through it so much, and, and, and it goes in my cranium and out of my cranium, and think I got it, and then I think, sometimes I think I'm going Christian crazy. but I really don't necessarily know what it is. You know what? That's okay. Because a lot of young people don't know what it is. In particular, those who, believe, those who are believing and investing their lives for the ministry, they don't know what their purpose is. It's not uncommon. You don't have a third eye in the middle of your forehead. But there are ways to discover God's purpose. T.D. Jakes said this. It's awesome. He said, if you can't figure out your purpose then try to figure out your passion, for your passion will lead you right into your purpose. What is your passion? I, they say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, what's your passion? And once I talk with young people, they do have a, everybody has a little something that they'd like to do. If I said, you could be anything you want to be, what would you want to be? Well, I don't want to be an astronaut. I want to be a brain surgeon. Okay, but that's a maybe, Right? If you got the smarts for it, you could do it. But the fact is, if you follow your passion, what is it? Do I, do I have a heart for people? 
Do I have a heart for God? Do I care about people? Do I want to see people come to the Lord? Maybe it's young people, children, adults, marriages, uh, missions, people who don't know the Lord, people of different cultures. I have a, I have a passion for this culture that's, that's protesting and, and throwing stuff around and hating people. And uh, I have a passion for that. Oh, that God would use me in the Spirit. I have a passion to be moved and, and, and live in the Spirit and, and also be used in the Spirit of God in miracles so that a miracle could happen. And then from that, people could take a look and I could witness and share the Lord. But you, you can't minimize. What's your passion? Everybody's got one. And those who don't have something like that uh, are probably people that don't think very well of themselves. And, that, that is, that, and there's reasons for that. That's, I'm not minimizing that. But there's reasons to not feel well about who you are and think well about who you are. There are three biblical examples for finding your purpose. There's multiple ones, but let me just share three very quickly with you. First Kings chapter 19, it's about Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah is telling uh, Elijah, listen, I got something for you. Now, Elijah was kind of holy, and he loved God, but he's hanging around now. Elijah, and Elijah is the man. He's the man. And uh, so uh, the scripture says that God raised up Elijah as a prophet because Israel was all doing its thing again, entering into evil and their evil ways, and, and they're drifted from God. And now Elijah's trying to bring them back to God. And uh, in chapter, pardon me, First uh, Kings 19, it says that Elisha caught wind of this because, you know, Elijah threw his mantle on him, and he said, and as a result of that, uh, Elijah felt, okay, this is, you're doing something with me. I, I, I think I'm, 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 che- I'm, I'm checking this out now, and I think you want me to get involved in the holy stuff, in the prophetic stuff. I don't I know exactly what's going on, but I tend to think you won't have something to do with this. And... Uh, the scripture says that, um, um, and Elijah was probably somewhere, the scholars say somewhere around 30, 40 years old at this time, something like that. He was living with his parents. <laughs> Sorry. Elijah's 30, 40 years old, and he's living with his parents. There's a little gravity in that somewhere. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to check it out. He's living with his parents, and he's plowing the field, it says, in the Jordan Valley. So he's plowing the field. He's living with his parents, not doing nothing. He's just working and plowing and plowing. He's doing something. He's working and plowing, but he, he's, uh, there's something else God had for him. And so uh, uh, um, God told Elijah, he said, listen, you need to know that Elijah, uh, he's going to take your place as prophet over, over Israel. And uh, Elijah, at this point, didn't really know that. He knew something was up, but he felt it. He knew something. We're talking right now about knowing your purpose. Number one, knowing your purpose. So the scripture says that Elijah, Elisha, uh, he accepted the training with Elijah, and he knew that he was going to be moving in some holy way about this. And God had something for him. He knew that. So what happened was, he took the ox and he slaughtered it. He killed the ox and then he took the plow and took it apart and it was made of wood and all that. So he takes the, the wood and sets it on fire and he, and he has a big barbecue. And so he kills the ox and he gives all the meat to the people. And uh, because he knew that God had something for him, something big. And of course it was. He took over as prophet over all of Israel. 
And he was trained by Elijah. But he knew it. He could feel it. He followed it. And he received it. That's knowing. He knew what he was to do. There may be a few of you that go, I know exactly where that is. And I know what I'm doing. Number two is journeying. Journeying. Thomas, who we call Thomas the Doubting Thomas, in John chapter 20, he said, he made this statement, and this is because he, he, the resurrection had just happened, and he wasn't, it was like, I want to believe about this, but in, unless I see the nail marks in his hand, and, and, and I can, uh, I put my finger in those nail marks, and I put my hand in where they pierced him, then I'm not going to believe. I mean, I mean, it's not that he didn't believe in the Messiah, Christ's Messiah. He did. But he said, this, I don't know. I want to believe in the resurrection, but you've got to prove to me. You know, I'm from Missouri. Show me. So he said, I got to see that. He didn't know. Elijah knew. Elijah knew. He didn't know, Thomas. And so then Jesus appeared to Thomas, appeared to all of them, appeared to him, and basically said, come check me out. Just, you know, check me out. He put his hands in and over. And after he saw and he felt and he entered into that, that experience where he, he, he was moving into that faith and knowing that God was right before them, he said, my Lord and my God, I know. He had to journey to that place. Sometimes you will have to journey to the place of knowing what God has for you. Well, I know that I just, you know, I'm supposed to be married. And so marriage, once you get married, I'm told there are no more problems. I hope that wasn't the pastor back there saying <laughs> There's no more problems after marriage, and so we just kind of, you get married and you are levitated for the rest of your lives. <laughs> not. It's not that it's not a, a wonderful time. It should be. But you have your own issues. Forget that your, your spouse's issues. You've got issues. So you've got to deal with your own issues, of which you do not want to do. So you want to deal with her issues so that your issues are minimized. <laughs> That's the way it is. So I don't... You get straight, I have less problems, we're both happy. He had to journey to this place. Last one is surprising. Surprising. Moses, after leaving Egypt because he had killed an Egyptian, um, he escaped to Midian, the scripture says. And he married a Midianite girl. And as a result of that, it says in Exodus chapter 2, and then uh, for 40 years, he tends this gal's father's uh, sheep. For 40 years, Sh sheep stink. They're not the best animals to have, unless you're wearing a sweater. And then that's not too bad. But the fact is, 40 years, this man of God is now in, the, in, in this area. Uh, it's actually, it's the backside of the desert, the scripture says. He's in the desert. He's Moses. Moses, the Charlton Heston type, you know. He just split the sea. Uh, now, Moses was a Jew, but the problem was Moses had an Egyptian mentality. He was a Jew with an Egyptian mentality. 
And God wanted to get that out of him and put a God mentality in him. Now, if that were me, I would say, um, today is Tuesday. It would be nice, God, if you could do that by Wednesday. I'll even go evening, if that's okay with you. That takes time. And it's worth it all as a result of that. So that takes some time. And so uh, Exodus really doesn't tell us much about Moses from age 40 to the burning bush. I mean, very little do you hear about Moses. Age 40 to the burning bush, all of a sudden this happens. This great experience. Now, the number 40 is very interesting because the number 40 in the Bible is associated with testing. It's associated with hardships. And it's associated with endurance. Testing, hardship, and endurance. It's a spiritual awakening, the number 40 is. So at age 80 now, surprisingly, he has this burning bush experience in Exodus chapter 3. And as a result, he encounters God. And he encounters his ministry at the same time. Surprisingly, sometimes that takes time. I know people that ended up in the ministry in their 50s and their 60s. God had him do some other things. So Elijah wasn't minimized. He wasn't. And Thomas was not minimized by God. And Moses was not minimized by God. And neither are you minimized by God. You are here for a season. And you will remember this 30 years from now. And you'll be the same person that comes in here. And you'll get, I was right there when God spoke to me. I was right there when I was really had a lot of questions. And I didn't know what God was doing. But he met me. And look what God has done. It was some, I had some hardships. I went through some difficulties. But God did a great thing in my life. He is not going to let you down. You have a purpose. He has not minimized you. You are here for a specific reason, and you got to find out what that is. There's purpose and eternal benefit in your existence. And you need to know it. And you need to believe it. And you need to want it. And you need to seek it. Because it's awesome. That's why. Mark Twain said this. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Stand with me if you would. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't have to have a, you know, face dragging. Just if, if you're encouraged, let your face know it real quick, would you? There you go, there you go, you let it know. I'm going to read you this last scripture, this scripture I read earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, one last time. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes. had designs for us of glorious living. Do you say that with me? Glorious living. Now say it just like this. Glorious living. Just glorious living. He doesn't mean you any harm. He wants you to have some good stuff. That's how important you are to him. Glorious living. Part of an overall purpose. He's working 
out in everything and in everyone. The, the, the uh, scripture I got saved on, I never read the Bible before. I was raised as a, you know, I was in a large liturgical denomination, let's just say that. And I didn't read the Bible. I got saved in the Air Force. My wife gave me a Bible and the first scripture I ever read, I never, I never opened that black book ever. And the first scripture I ever read, it was, it was this is what I did because I was in bad shape. And I was going in a place I didn't want to go and and I went, Phew. how many have ever done that before? <laughs> and the man died in Israel. No, that's not, that's not what you want. <laughs> and I went like this, and the first scripture I ever read in my life, it pointed right to it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust him. And all of your ways acknowledge him. I'm going to acknowledge you, Lord. I'm going to believe you. No matter what it's all about, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to walk with you. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Not maybe, not possibly, but he will. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much that in your word, we can live and dwell and find meaning and purpose. You have not minimized us, God, but you have lifted us up as a result of what we wear. That is the blood of the Lamb of God. You love us so much, and you long to use these young men and women to be culture changers for Christ. Ignite them, encourage them, give them not just a purpose, but a passion. Set them on fire, Father. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful lunch.